0: Welcome to Podland. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, used by over 100,000 podcasters like us to host, promote and track your podcast. And by Riverside.fm, the easiest way to record podcasts and video interviews in studio quality from anywhere, just by using a web browser. We're using it now. It's the 12th of August, 2021. I'm James Cridland, the editor of podnews.net in Australia.
1: And I'm Sam Seffi, the host of Sam Talks Technology and the MD of River Radio here in the UK.
2: Hi, my name is Martin Morrison, and I'm the this- CEO and founder of Podfriend, and I'll be on later on Podland to talk about Podfriend and distributed comments.
3: I'm James Bishop, CEO of One Fine Play, and I'll be on later to talk about creating podcast sponsorship decks.
0: They will. Podland is a weekly podcast where Sam and I delve deeper into the week's podcasting news.
1: So, James, let's get going with the big stories from Pod News this week first. Up is a podcast movement roundup, I think, is needed. Because while we were doing our podcast, Mark Cuban and Fallon Fatami were on stage and they spoke about their new storytelling platform, Fireside Chat. But that wasn't really the headline. Uh, It was Mark Cuban in typical Mark Cuban fashion, calling podcasting old, tired and beat up. And that there's one way only to monetize. And he says, lying your, excuse my French everyone, arse off. The app is available in iOS if you want it. But do you think Mark Cuban's right, James, or is he talking out of his AWS?
0: Well, I mean, why you would go on stage in front of a bunch of podcasters and say that the only way to earn money out of podcasting is to lie and that podcasting is all rubbish? I just don't get what he's trying to do. I mean, those two quotes did come to me or come to someone else, in fact, from the PR team. If you're going to stand in front of loads of podcasters and basically denigrate what they do just for an app that, A, doesn't work very well, B, nobody can really get onto it, and C, doesn't really look very good anyway for people that have. I don't really understand what he's doing. Mark, uh, I was
1: going to say, James, sit on the fence about what you think, mate.
0: <laughs> well, Tom Webster said that, you know, he's, he's right. Podcasting isn't an interactive platform. Podcasters don't get immediate feedback. But there again, Tom Webster went on, nor do actors, nor do radio DJs, nor do morticians. But nevertheless, they persist in what they do. The whole point of a podcast is that it is audio, which is on-demand. And the point of on-demand audio is that, no, you don't do live radio shows. That's different. It frustrates me when you get somebody who launches a new product, which isn't very good, but launches it by basically slagging off the current product that exists, which over a third of Americans listen to podcasts every single month. How many people use Fireside Chat? Virtually none of them.
1: Why is that, Mark? Justin Jackson from Transistor said he's not convinced listeners actually care about any of these things. Making co- podcasts more discoverable, make podcasts more interactive, make co- podcasts more social, which I assume is what Mark Cuban was saying. He was saying, what's the problem? There isn't a discovery problem. People who know how to listen to podcasts regularly find them and they have no problems in doing so and they listen to them. So... His view, I guess, is that there isn't really a problem about discoverability. As far as he's concerned, he's not on the Mark Cuban side of the Fireside chat. Where are you, James, on this? I clearly think you're on the side with Tom and Justin.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I think, as I've said all along, I think things like Clubhouse or Twitter Spaces, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all of these services, like Fireside, are a different experience. And there is a bit of live talk radio in them. And that's fine, but that's not what podcasting is all about. And it frustrates me and irritates me that you get a multimillionaire standing up there with his very nice teeth. And he does have very nice teeth. It's clearly been an awful lot of work done there. Um, Standing there and slagging off an industry that has a third of Americans listening every single month. It just frustrates me. So... So I do not agree with Mark Cuban at all. Do you agree with Mark Cuban, Sam?
1: I am going to make myself physically sick in a minute. But yes, I have some feelings that Mark Cuban might be right. I've thought about this before saying that publicly. Yes, I'm glad. (laughs) Yes, it is early in the morning, but I'm not that mad. Um, No, I, I... Look, the podcast 2.0 index stuff's been amazing and it's moved the RSS needle forward and we're doing what I think is is a top-down change to the metadata, to the way that people can find and use podcasts in discoverability. I think what we're missing is the bottom-up discoverability, commenting, being able to discover or recommend other podcasts and being able to tag segments with audio bursts. And I think that interactivity, which is what Mark Cuban might be talking about, is missing. Now, I'm not saying Clubhouse, Twitter Spaces, Green Rooms or any other fireside chats are the way forward to podcasting. But what I do think we need to be very careful of is we've seen this story before. It's been played out for anyone who was a blogger. Mm. We all used to blog and we all used to sit in our own WordPress little bubble and we all thought we were, you know, driving traffic to us and we were – desperately desperately hoping that someone would comment on our blog post and when we didn't get it you saw a drop off a tail off and i can hear that story so often being repeated now podcasters start their podcast it's so exciting and then suddenly six or 10 episodes in no one's actually downloading it or very few apart from their mum and their grandma and they're not getting any interactivity and suddenly they they tail off or get bored i think with facebook whenever they decide to release their podcasting platform will instantly be a social commenting shareable podcast platform. It doesn't have to be live and it doesn't have to be interactive in any other way, but that element where you get feedback will mean that people will feel emboldened or excited to continue. And I think that is missing still in podcasting. And if fireside chat offers some of that function, while we don't need the clubhouse element of it, I think Mark might be onto something, and I'm sorry that, you know, I may well get some people going, he knows nothing. But I do think there is something missing currently in podcasting, and that is the feedback loop.
0: And I think there's something there around getting feedback from audiences and making that feedback better. And there are a ton of different apps out there which are now enabling you to make comments about the podcasts that you're listening to. The difficulty with all of those apps, of course, is that you can comment on this particular podcast if you want to in good pods. You can comment on this particular podcast if you want to in verbal. You can comment on this particular podcast in a variety of other different places. But the difficulty is that we're not going to check all of those. We're not going to go to every single podcast app and check whether or not somebody has left a comment. It's bad enough with Apple Podcasts. Podcast reviews, let alone with everything else. So, I think one of the things that I'm interested and excited about is what Podcasting 2.0 has been working on, and that's comments around podcasts and podcast episodes that work across apps. And you had a chat, didn't you, with a chap from the Scary Monster from Podfriend.
1: Yes, Michael Moritzson, uh, a wonderful Danish guy. And I asked Michael to tell me a little bit more about Podfriend, how he got involved with the podcast index 2.0 and what he's been doing with this cross app commenting that will work in other products as well.
2: Podfriend is like my love child. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I always found things that didn't quite work the way I wanted them. Uh, and then because I have a lot of experience programming things, I thought, well, then you have to build your own. And I started it. And And the first ideas I had was actually just to have a desktop and a mobile because I was using Spotify. And at, at least at that point, Spotify was not very good at podcasts, uh, especially when you also use it for music, then it would forget where I went to in the podcasts. And then lucky enough that I encountered Adam and Dave from the podcasting index and the podcasting 2.0 movement. And then it was a no-brainer to start implementing some of those features. I love being a trailblazer and trying out new things. So I would say Podfriend is a right now niche podcasting player that's on the cutting edge. And of course, I hope you know that someday uh, it will have a lot more adoption and be, you know, one of the main players. But uh, that's a dream.
1: Now, just before we move into Podfriend and some of the new features and functions that you've been building, and the the exciting part I want to talk about is cross-app commenting. But Mm -hmm. before we get into that, you mentioned something that was on Podland last week, we were having a discussion, which was about Spotify being used both for podcasting and for music. And a lot of people are beginning to say that actually it's not very good as a user agent for both of those together. Has it got Mm. better for you since you started using Spotify? And and do you have any opinion about where you think Spotify might want to take it?
0: Let's just take a quick break.
1: Welcome to High Street Matters, a regular podcast from BIRA, the British Independent Retailers Association. My name's Steve Dyson, and I'm a journalist who's interviewing top business owners and experts here at BIRA about issues which impact independent retailers today. We'll be talking to a cross-section of our members from around the UK, from single retail outlets to small chains, and from large department stores to leisure and hospitality. We plan to provide top tips to help businesses stay ahead of the retail curve. High Street Matters. Thanks for listening.
2: So it has gotten slightly better, and I would say it has a gotten better at remembering where I got to. But of course, now I use PodFriend mostly. I do use Spotify every now and again because they have a few exclusive podcasts. And my main annoyance is still that it goes into podcasting mode, which is a little bit like the music mode, but not quite. And then in the morning when I have my day job, I want to just listen to music, but then I have to go back to the music mode. And and then later on, it will forget where I, I, like, if I didn't open up Spotify on my mobile app while I'm taking a walk and want to listen to the podcast, then it's in music mode again. It it seems like they would almost doing the, be doing themselves a favor if they created like a sister app, like Spotify podcast, and then you could use both. But of course, music and podcast like they do have synergy and I see the same with audiobooks. I have actually also considered putting like some audiobooks in PodFriend because I think a lot of people, myself included, like we have a certain time uh, during the day where we can listen to recreative things like podcasts or music or audiobooks. So they're all competing for the same space. And then there are times, of course, like while I'm working, I can only listen to music. I can't listen to podcasts because I have to have some concentration. But where Spotify wants to take it, like it's obvious that they're focusing heavily on this, but it seems like they want to be a walled garden. So they'll probably be introducing more and more things that are just for Spotify in where it it would be my hope that they would feed back to, for example, the RSS standard, uh, maybe working with the podcasting 2.0 movement to enrich. because. Podcasting was born out of the open standards. So I, I do think that the companies that are trying to make it like into a walled garden, I can see why they want to do it from a selfish point of view, but it, it's a little bit sad to see.
1: Now, let's start off with Podfriend. Let's go back to that. So mm-hmm. you started that a few years ago. You're working with Adam and Dave at the podcast index. You're using the new RSS 2.0 namespace. How many of the tags have you implemented so far? I I hear you've implemented chapters recently of being one of them.
2: I think PodFriend was one of the first apps to implement chapters. Oh, which one have I implemented? I think like almost all of them except the soundbite and then some of the new like alternate enclosures I haven't implemented yet. But from the phases, there was phase one and phase two, I think pretty much everything from the first two phases. And then the like alternate enclosure is still... Kinda in, in beta, and I do want to to support it. I, I plan to support each and every tag. It's more that I want to be very careful about the user experience. That it needs to have its place in the app. For example, sound bites were one of the first tags that were decided on, but I never quite managed to find a place in in Podfriend where I thought it really made sense. I think. Now I'm getting to a point where it could be like in search results. And when you're in the discovery mode and wants to discover new podcasts, I'm trying to build like better discoverability for Podfriend, And there it makes sense.
1: I'm jumping a little bit, but mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about cross commenting. I'll come back to it, but I think sound bites could work within that because one of the best clients still that was out there ages ago was SoundCloud's client, where as a listener and a user, I could mark within the player, the actual comment that I wanted. And other people could do the same. And then as you move through it, you basically then got to see where the most interesting part of the conversation possibly was, but also you could filter it by your friends. And so suddenly your social graph made sense. And so something, you know, Martin's just been listening to this, but okay, great. If Martin's listened to it, I should listen to it too. And those are the sorts of discoverability parts. maybe you could take that, let's say minute, Seven to minute 10 and create a sound bite out of that, that's shareable. I don't know. I'm just throwing those ideas out there for you.
2: But that's actually a great idea. I'm actually right now trying to turn PodFriend into a more social experience. So it will have a social feed, like maybe five years too late on that one. But I, th- I think it quite works because I think a lot of people listen to the same podcast as their friend or at least the way I imagine it is that you can create like groups of friends. So for example, me, if I find people that also listen to true crime podcasts, then I I can, in pod friend, my idea is that you can you know see which podcast they're listening to see which podcast they're commenting on Uh, and i hadn't thought about it before but this idea of of grabbing a quick sound bite from where they left the comment that's actually really good i'm gonna steal that idea
1: (laughs) (laughs) excellent good at least i've had one use tonight if no nothing else now let's start off with it so you've done a lot of work on the podcast index namespace which is brilliant and one of the things that you've started working on which is why we want to have this conversation was on cross commenting tell me what it is first and, and why it was needed
2: Cross-commenting isn't specified in our standard yet. We've talked a lot about it. We have a a weekly developer meeting, and we've talked a lot about it and how it could be implemented. And it seems like the consensus was on ActivityPub. And I was reading the ActivityPub standard, and even with 20 years of engineering experience, it was like, oh i hate reading standard documents but then yasin and benjamin from castor they made some working endpoints where they actually implemented the activity standards in in their platform and then suddenly you can start the work using real examples and then that really helped me do the first like proof of concept so why it was needed because i think comments will be in Spotify, comments will be in Apple podcast. I think it's bound to happen. Facebook is also doing podcast and within their social feed, they will automatically have comments. And my first idea was just, oh, I can take an evening out of my calendar and make comments for PodFriend. It's not a big deal, Mm -hmm. but the population that use PodFriend is small. I I actually don't track my users, so I don't know exactly how many are using PodFriend, but it's easy to see that the, the, the comments would be far between each other if all those small apps like uh, you know podverse podfriend CurioCaster, even like like say bigger ones like overcast if we started to implement distributed comment then we could actually compete with those bigger platforms that mm-hmm. have such a, a, a big audience and i think also smaller podcast app Like, you don't know if they are here tomorrow. If I get hit by a a car tomorrow, then no one is probably going to keep on developing PodFriend, even though it is open source. (laughs) But then why should we lose out on that content? So if we do the distributed content, it would actually live forever. I don't think we need to stop at comments. I already have reviews in PodFriend as well, which is just uh, implemented at... It only exists in PodFriend, but why not have those be distributed as well? Uh, the, The content makes just as much sense in PodFriend as it does in, in PodVerse or other platforms. I see it as a no-brainer, but of course, I also don't have uh, 30 million in, in venture funding and <laughs> need to think about uh, monetizing uh, my platform yet.
1: So how would it work? If I left a comment in PodFriend, would it then appear in another app that supported this cross-comment posting
2: capability? So the way it works right now, is And this is just the first step, is that the podcast hosts actually have to support it because they become like the keeper of the comments. And this also enables the podcaster to actually have control of the comments. And and that is how it should be in my mind. But I want to also in the future introduce comments to podcasts that haven't opted into it, but then they would then be able to opt out of it But then in that case, PodFriend would act as like the keeper of comments until the podcaster himself say, hey, now I'm ready to have my own comments. Uh, Then PodFriend would hand over the content and say, okay, here you go. Uh, And now you can control it from here on out. If we waited until all podcasters supported it itself, then you know, if someone went into PodFriend, they it would pr- practically be impossible to find a podcast that supported comments. So I'm trying to think of like some middle ground. Uh, where the podcaster can still take control of the comments. Uh, but the idea is that you make a comment in PodFriend, and then it shows up in, in all other apps that supports uh, the activity pop protocol.
1: I, I'm curious because does this require this new thing that's been talked about in the podcast index called because how do you identify the podcast in PodFriend and the podcast in Castapod and the podcast in some other app? Because yeah. It has the same name, but mm-hmm. that doesn't the, the, mean
2: it's the same. The GUID can certainly help. And, and we are on the bleeding edge here. As I said, it's not quite in the standard yet. Uh, so it's actually CastApart and PodFriend that are that are being trailblazers here, along with the No Agenda 2. Alex is also a big part of this. But right now, the way we did it is that the endpoint, like the API endpoint to get the comments, uh, is defined in the RSS feed. So you don't actually need the GUID right now uh, to do it.
1: Okay. Now, I'm curious, you've gone down the activity pub sub route, but blogging in RSS had something very similar in the past, which was trackbacks and pingbacks. Did you ever consider using trackbacks and pingbacks as a mechanism for actually implementing comments?
2: I did, but only very shortly because... I think it could work. And as long as we agree on a standard, it doesn't matter that much. But there are already a lot of Activity Pop clients out there like Mastodon and others uh, also for mobile. And we- if we use Activity Pop, then we enable uh, people using those apps to actually make comments for podcasts. And I think that that was a good win, like that there are already implementations out there that people could use to leave comments, like besides the podcasting apps themselves. Uh, because I really like this idea that for example, in Mastodon, which for those that don't know, it's basically like Facebook, just open source and and the the data is not in one big silo. And so here the idea would be that, hey, you could actually just follow a podcast there and and comment on the episodes.
1: So fundamentally, it was like that was an old standard. We're moving to a newer standard and that's the one we're going to support and that's how we're going to implement it.
2: ActivityPub is also like the reason why it's Decent standard. I'm not going to say it's a great standard because it also does a lot that we don't necessarily need, but it is because it is leaning more towards the social aspect, like the social feed. There is the concept of users and there is the concept of nodes and you can actually extend it. So if we want to introduce reviews, for example extend the protocol to also support that. And as I said, I imagine many other things aside comments. I listen to a lot of true crime uh, shows. And that was also one of the ideas why I started PodFriend is because I wanted rich content like timelines. And in a lot of those podcasts, you hear you know, them say, oh, go to our website to see a photo of this and that person. And why not be able to see that in, in the podcast? Uh, of course, that could be possible right now with the chapter art, but I see it as Something that would be really great if the users, the listeners could contribute and upload photos and, and things like that.
1: One of the things I really want, and again, I go back to the SoundCloud app, is to be able to listen to a podcast, find a, a point in the podcast, comment on the podcast, then have a timeline stamp using the standard. I think James Cridland was talking about it in, on Podland with me about how you can have URL equal, ampersand time equals 20. And so you yeah. can literally say where that is in the podcast. So the comment has a timestamp exactly to where it is in the podcast. And then the the good thing for me is, and I can share it socially. So if I've got a mate, in, you know, on WhatsApp or an email or Twitter or whatever, because I, can say, Hey Martin, here's what I want you to listen to. I left a comment there about it as well. Ping and they go straight to that point. And then they all see the comments and all the other comments because discoverability i think is one of our biggest challenges within podcasting i think mm. i guess if we can overcome that problem i think we'll certainly open up it to more users
2: i agree completely like uh, i uh, discoverability is the main challenge and i think that's actually for all of the platforms like even the big ones the small ones uh, and of course we are all trying to tackle it in different ways but i agree and i think comments can be a huge help because for me, it would be interesting to see uh, what my social circle is listening to and what they're commenting on. You can also easily see in a comment, like more context to see if it makes sense because written messages, short messages are still quicker to decipher than listening to to Mm -hmm. a a, a clip.
1: I think a lot of the work that's been done so far is what I call top down. It's like uh, show notes from the podcast creator, chapterizing Mm. is from the podcast creator, Chapter artist from the podcast creator. And I think of comments as bottom up. This is listener based, the reviews, discoverability, ratings, all of those things, and comments are all bottom up. And I think we haven't done enough work as an industry, I think, to support bottom up discoverability.
2: I agree completely. I think some of the most interesting content I found on the web is because at least in the past, uh, when I was a heavy user of Facebook, when I follow people and they share, and then, but not only that, then some people would say, oh yeah, I I read that, but have you seen this? And then Mm -hmm. you just go down the rabbit hole and and find a lot of interesting content. And I think that whole aspect, we can definitely have more of in the podcasting space. Cool.
1: Now, last question, Martin, are you supporting uh, PodPing within PodFriend? And maybe you could explain what PodPing is if you
2: have I am not because PodPing is actually mostly for hosts. So PodPing is is also made by the podcasting 2.0 uh, movement. Uh, and it's really a way right now, uh, a lot of the apps or the index have to rely on scraping RSS feeds. And some of them are doing it a bit smarter than others, like saying, oh, okay, this podcast usually updates every Thursday. So I will only scrape it every Thursday but then what if it releases a bonus episode on the friday then it'll be until next thursday it find it so potping is a way for hosts to for example bu- Buzzsprout, when they when they have a user that releases a new episode then they will use the potping so they will basically release a distribute message on the blockchain because gay let's use all the buzzwords <laughs> <laughs> and and then I'm sure everyone... you're not going for vc funding <laughs> But then everyone listening, all the apps listening, uh, will be notified. Hey, there's a new episode for this. So instead of pull, it becomes push from the business side. And that that for the host, the advantage is that their servers are not hit all the time. Like suddenly, they will only get the needed traffic. And of course, for the index and other apps, they will. They have the advantage to have up-to-date content all the time. Yeah. But in, in PodFriend, I use the index for the podcast content. You can say I use PodPing, but indirect, indirectly. I haven't yeah. implemented it directly in PodFriend.
1: So you're a client to PodPing rather than a host to PodPing.
2: Ex- yes? Exactly.
1: Now, before we go then, Martin, thank you so much. We'll have you back on PodLand anytime you like. And <laughs> all I'd say is, can you please tell people where they can get hold of
2: PodFriend? So they can go to podfriend.com or if they want to try the web version it's on web.podfriend.com on podfriend.com there's a link to the desktop client uh, for windows there's also a mac client and uh, there's a link to the beta for iphone and one for android
1: are you sure Are you sure you've got a girlfriend, Martin, because I'm doing all this development when and doing a daytime job? When do you get time for it?
2: It is getting harder and harder. I used to live alone, and now we moved in together, so it it does create like some problems. But luckily, my girlfriend, she has a lot of uh, things to do herself. So I do get some time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Martin, thank you so much for your time.
0: Take Thank care. you, Sam.
2: It was a pleasure.
0: Michael and from Podfriend and using one of those new, exciting podcasting 2.0 pieces of work, which is lovely. CurioCaster also supports cross-app commenting. But there's also something else
1: that's going on, isn't there, Sam? Yeah, there's this thing called Boostergrams. Um, now, we've heard of Satoshis and we've heard of Bitcoin. But now you can give small amounts of cryptocurrency with or to a podcast that you listen to and with a little message have you used it, or have anyone used it that you know of yet? I'm quite excited by
0: this, um, in that uh, you can. You can leave um, using Podfriend or using um, Fountain, which is another new app uh, which has just launched, which works on iOS phones and Android phones, actually. You can leave messages while you send a, a tip. And um, not just have I used it, I've received a bunch of uh, Boostergrams, uh, mainly for Pod News, but we've received one as well, Sam. Excellent. Uh, it's from a nice man called kirin or kyrin i'm going to assume kirin but anyway from the mere mortals podcast and he says hey james and sethi hey sethi yeah no, I'm, uh, I'm glad <laughs> i'm glad i'm part of this podcast so much <laughs> sethi um, he says, "I want to say a big thanks for getting me into the 2.0 bandwagon. Lots of innovations going on that have me excited to create an enhanced podcast. Love your work, and even better than I can help support a fellow Brizzy podcaster. Hooray, um, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie!" And he sent 1,123. You've changed, <laughs> certainly have. And he was using Podfriend, and that appeared on a boostergram, and that appeared within the. Satoshi streams uh, thing that I use to receive cryptocurrency. So that's really cool. It's really nice to be able to hear from audiences and to hear from what people think. And it's even nicer when it comes with a little bit of
1: cash in there as well. So thank you, Kirin, for that. That's very kind of you. So the stuff that Martin's working on with Benjamin at Pod and and, and Alex, Mm. it's still not not been included in the standard, as Martin was saying, yet. But I think this is what is an open way that we can, as an industry, address some of the things that you know uh, Mark Cuban is talking about. So instead of it being a proprietary feature of a, f- of a app that he only produces mm. and he tries to take the industry in one direction, down his wall garden, mm. this is a great example of how the industry is working together uh, across applications to implement some of this stuff. But again, I go back to my point. Mark Cuban has a point in that we need to be more interactive and more uh, better at giving feedback and, uh, and rewarding. And I think this is a great example of the booster grams and also the cross app commenting.
0: Yeah, no, I particularly agree. Uh, And I think that, you know, there is definitely something there in hearing back more from audiences and getting better analytics, which I know is uh, what uh, many of the folks at Podcast Index are working on right now. But I don't think it necessarily needs a millionaire to stand there and slag off the existing industry. I don't think that that really helps anything particularly. But still, you know, very nice teeth. (laughs) Very nice teeth.
1: Other... Podcasting apps that are doing stuff to move the needle forward as well. One is JustCast that's announced its support for podcast chapters. Mm -hmm. And Podping, which I talked to Martin a little bit about, means apps can which can detect new episodes in less than a minute. While LibSync's not quite on board with it yet, they are saying that if enough people request it they might do it. Do you think they'll do it, James? Oh, I mean, uh, Libsyn is a uh, its a heritage podcast
0: host. That's a nice way of saying it. Which is, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's a heritage podcast host. They have a lot of technical debt, which they're currently working through for Libsyn 5, which is their spangly new user interface. I'm sure that if Libsyn see the benefit of integrating PodPing into their publishing tool, it is literally one line of code, by the way, but if Libsyn see the benefit of doing that, then they will do that. Um, the more people who request it,
1: the more seriously they're likely to stick it in. We do know that Libsing are working on some stuff because they've announced at Podcast Movement that they are going to have a partnership with Fireside Chat. What did they say, James? Um,
0: They said that they would make the podcast distribution experience seamless for the Fireside creator. (laughs) My suspicion is, therefore, uh, and I know literally nothing more because all I got was a press release. My suspicion is that, therefore, that there will be some form of button in Fireside. I I, I can't log into Fireside, so therefore I don't know. But there will be some form of button that allows you to connect your Fireside chat account with your Libsyn account. I mean, you know, it would have been more funny had Mark Cuban done a deal with Dan Benjamin and then you could have used Fireside Chat to publish on Fireside and that would have been very entertaining. But anyway, so I believe that that's what they're doing. Uh, It makes for a very good press release. So um, yeah, I think that's a good plan.
1: Rounding up podcast movement. uh, One of the others that announced something at podcast movement was of Futury Media, which launched Admatic, a tool to organise and monetize the world's podcasts. Sounds a grand idea. What is it, James? Doesn't it just? Um, So I've worked for Futuri in the past
0: and the excellent CEO, Daniel Anstandig, Uh, who is a very bright man. Admatic will both allow people to do better recommendations. So one of the things that it will do is it will automatically go and have a look at, uh, it'll produce transcripts for podcasts and allow you as an advertiser to advertise next to podcasts, which are talking about the things that you want to advertise next to, which is very good. It obviously means that you get brand safety stuff in there as well, because you can also make sure that you're not advertising next Next to some of the stuff that you don't want to be advertising next to. So that's one interesting thing. The other thing that um, was very interesting about the announcement about Admatic was they have announced inclusion of automatic detection of copyright music in podcasts. So the thought there is that um, if you are an advertiser and you are advertising next to illegal use of music, then that may rub off onto you as an advertiser, and that may be a bad thing. So that is being built in, but what that does also show is that that technology is out there, and if you are considering putting a little burst of ACDC into your podcast, then that's probably not a very good idea. So uh, don't go doing that.
1: For those about to rock, we salute you. (laughs) No, I think I think that's a great thing. But yes. again, I think it has to be uh, across the across the board. I don't think one app on its own can do that. But it's great to see somebody's. St- you know, else starting. We all we had in Podland a few weeks back, didn't we? Somebody telling us that they already had this technology as well.
0: I think it's interesting thinking about it from an advertising point of view and that if you do advertise your brand next to illegal use of, of music, then, uh, you know, you may be on a highway to hell. There you go.
1: <laughs> I do wonder. Can we get any more references here? Um I do wonder.
0: I don't know any other songs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. With Facebook automatically having copyright notification certainly from warner brothers who seem to be the most keenest on whenever you post anything into facebook with music Mm. and their facebook podcasting wonder if they will actually do that with the podcast as well whether they'll detect within the podcast itself any music
0: oh i'm I'm sure i'm sure that they will i mean i think that facebook you know uh, are very keen as our youtube are very keen to make sure that that Musicians get paid properly, and that, um, yeah, it depends really whether, whether or not we'll see that we'll see YouTube doing the same sort of thing, which is either allowing Warner's or Sony to put advertising into your podcast so that they earn some money out of it, or whether or not they just ban you. But you know, the music industry does obviously have to get back in black. There's <laughs> another
1: one, Sam. Uh, dear Touche, you <laughs> win. Now, on that note, the last bit of uh, announcements from Podcast Movement: Megaphone launched its Audience Insights Dashboard, working with Nielsen, allowing publishers to segment their audience with details like job seeker, tech adopter, or, or even dog owner. Do I get this? I don't. Explain, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you listen to a
0: podcast, the podcast host currently gets an IP address of your, you know, household. That then gets uh, thrown into a bunch of data from Nielsen and from Scarborough, which looks at all of the other things that you do on that IP address to work out what kind of person you are or what kind of family you are. So you can work out that if lots of people going to uh, job websites are coming from your IP address, then it reckons that at least somebody in your household is likely to be a job seeker. And so therefore, it will put some adverts in the podcast that you listen to, potentially in the future, around uh, if you're looking for a job, then here's a great place to go, podjobs.net, by the way. That's one of the sorts of ways. Now, you know, this technology is already out there. There's a lot of um, individual data uh, providers who are basically merging a ton of data around website visitors and then working out what type of person is at the other end of that IP address. It's all a little bit scary, but uh, it does mean that the ads that you hear are likely to be a little bit more personalised and a little bit more targeted and uh, a little bit less pointless um, than some of the ads that you might hear. So, um, yeah, so it's an interesting, if slightly
1: scary thing. Very scared. They got me down to a T. Job seeker, tech adopter and dog owner. Wow. (laughs) That'll be it. Okay, moving on now. Uh, A little bit of tech that I thought was a bit super cool last night when I I read Pod News. Um, There's a little feature called Smart App Banners that you can add to your website. James, tell me more.
0: Yeah, so this is just a little bit of code. If you run your own website, there's a little bit of code that you put in the uh, header. And what it essentially allows your uh, iPhone to do is uh, it sees that piece of code and it goes, aha, there's an app available for this. So a little banner appears at the top of your website that says download the app. That was its original use. It's called a smart app banner. It's existed for quite some time. But you can actually put the idea of your podcast in there instead of of an app. So that when you visit a website's homepage on the internet, on your phone, then you see that little banner appear that says, um, download the podcast. And it works pretty well. If you visit any pod news podcast page, for example, then you'll see those. Appearing on your iPhone. Of course, it works fantastically for individual podcasts, Sam, but what does it not work for?
1: Oh, God, here we go. Apple, please do some dog fooding. Try your own tech. So I got super excited <laughs> last night at about midnight, which is really sad, actually, because, you know, I thought. Finally, I can use channels for something. So, I've got 14 plus podcasts in an Apple channel. So, I tried it with an individual app ID from Apple for one of the podcasts. Bingo, it worked really well. Mm. So, then I went and found my channel ID under Apple and I replaced the app ID with the channel ID, and nothing, nada, didn't work. So, so far, uh, you can create a channel. Uh, you can make it really hard to find a channel, Apple. You can't subscribe to all the podcasts in a channel. So why do I have a channel? And finally, when I got excited about these smart app banners, you can't actually promote a channel. So if anyone from Apple is listening... Please, can we make some changes? (laughs) And the channel
0: ID doesn't appear in any of the Apple uh, APIs, so it's very difficult to link to. And, uh, yeah, it's just really hard. So it would be great if channels, which are... Thought out quite well, I think, but it would be really good if they were actually integrated into the rest of the Apple Podcasts infrastructure so that uh, other people can actually use them and link to them and everything else. I've worked out a sneaky way of doing it using uh, unpublished APIs, but that's probably not the right plan. So um, it would be super great if Apple could fix that, along with all of the other issues that Apple Podcasts currently has. So some people still can't get into Apple Podcasts. The Apple Podcasts. Podcasts connect app Uh, is still not working for some people. I've had one email that says every time I follow up, I get we're still working on it. We hope to have it fixed soon. And this person says it seems like there are some pretty serious issues under the hood, not much transparency. Uh, They've obviously had their auto downloads issue. I reckon that's now costs the podcast industry $14 million in lost ad revenue which is, you know, no small amount of money. But also one of the things that Apple Podcasts is also doing is um, it's not noticing that some podcasts have published new episodes. And so quite a lot of people, I've heard from one podcast host that they have five complaints every day from podcast publishers saying... We've done everything correctly. We still don't see our new episode in Apple Podcasts. Why are you messing up, podcast host? And the podcast host is turning around and saying, it's not us, it's Apple. And this has been going on for months and Apple haven't admitted it. Apple haven't published anything about it. It's all a bit secret squirrel, all a bit uh, hidden away. And, you know, there are real people here who survive on podcasts for their living and it would be super great if apple actually cared and at the moment apple don't seem as if they're caring at all and that's a real shame
1: so i look forward
0: to 14.8 then shall i 14.8 sadly won't fix it because part of the problem here isn't isn't anything to do with the with the app which isn't a very good app but half of the problem isn't to do with
1: that so yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh well not not much help there moving on let's talk about spotify for a minute oh shall we well i think you know for the For the BBC's sake of balance, I feel I need to do that. I don't know why, but I feel the need to give some balance to the (laughs) podcast. Other other podcast apps are available. Here's one of them. (laughs) Chris Messina, the inventor of the hashtag and uh, an old friend of mine, I have never told Chris, but I always think on his gravestone it would be hashtag I'm dead. Um, I just <laughs> hashtag <would> awkward. Be... <laughs> well, no, I just think, if, I mean, if I did, they did it, I'd do that, but I didn't. Um, mm. uh, and he anyway, listens, moving... so <laughs> now, now he's now he's
0: heard that. I'm sure he's never heard that before.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, <laughs> Anyway, I'm like... what's he
0: noticed? He's noticed that
1: Spotify's <laughs> added a most shared badge on popular podcast episodes. Is this correct? Yeah, yes, uh,
0: seemingly. If you follow the hashtag of uh, new Spotify, then you'll see quite a few of Chris's posts around this. Yeah, so this is a thing that actually Spotify launched a couple of months ago, it turns out. But it's um, a new little badge that sits there and says, this is a most shared episode for a particular podcast. So you know, you know where to start. You know what a good podcast episode is going to to be. It's not rocket science, it's not particularly clever, but the fact that Spotify have put it in, and you know, (laughs) Apple haven't, I, I think kind of shows where Spotify's thoughts are in terms of this. Good also to see Wired magazine, who has highlighted Uh, all the ways that Spotify track you and how to stop them, uh, which I think is uh, interesting to see the other side of the coin. Um, But uh, yeah, you know, interesting just the the difference between Spotify that is spending a lot of cash at the moment in terms of making their podcast experience better. They don't seem to have any particular bugs uh, with the way that their podcasts work and interesting to compare that with the others let me
1: just add i think you're right we should do what spotify tells us and you know that's the best way forward why am i talking rubbish and gibberish well most people say i do most of the time but it turns (laughs) out that spotify's research and development department tell us that if we use i we or you and not her him or them and we certainly don't swear uh, we will get a better listenership. Yeah, and how's that work?
0: Yeah, it's, it's sort of more. Uh, they talk. They talk about this being engagement, listener engagement. It's around positive language as well. Uh, so the last five minutes of this podcast haven't really helped, have they? <laughs> And don't talk slowly. You need to talk quite nice and quick, apparently, and people will listen to your show more. What they did is they looked at 5,000 English episodes. They transcribed them all. Um, They looked at all of the playback data from those 5,000 episodes. Episodes, And they've got, obviously, an awful lot of data there. And they've pulled all of that data together. And this is Spotify's research and development department. And it's a brilliant piece of research. Now, I remember, you know, when I was involved in radio 20 years ago, I was being told at that point... Always make sure that you are uh, talking about we and you, singular. Don't talk about you, plural. Hello, listeners. Never do that. Um, Always talk about um, your listener as if they are one person. Always talk about... uh, Always try and be as inclusive as you can. And so if you're talking about, you know, um, I know that you've had problems in the current lockdown. Don't say that. Say we've all had problems in the current lockdown, haven't we? It's far more inclusive. And uh, it's wonderful seeing that stuff that I was taught 20 years ago in radio school, now being not just taught by Spotify, but proved by Spotify with actual data. So it's been really interesting seeing that. And I think it's a great thing that they're sharing all of that kind of information.
1: Yeah, it's uh, having a radio station, I I fully concur, that's exactly how we teach our presenters to to talk. Um, But Only because we've got one listener, it makes it really easy for them to say you. (laughs) Um, If we had more listeners, it might be very difficult to get them to say that. But right now, it's very simple. Hello, Mum. How are you? That's often what we say. When you used to get the
0: Radar figures, the audience figures for radio... Uh, for large radio stations, I remember once seeing my audience figures, and there was a certain there was a certain time on the Sunday breakfast show that I used to end up doing when I officially had no listeners. Oh. <laughs> and it's always brilliant. It's always brilliant to actually see the asterisk um, in the. This was back when they used to send the radar figures up on a great big bound book, and you would skim through to Sunday breakfast, and you would see between six and six thirty the dreaded asterisk which meant that no one was listening whatsoever although i'm sure that because your radio station is so much better than mine was
1: i'm sure that you have a ton of people tuning into you at all times i would like to think so look for the sake of balance as well we better get google in they don't seem to do much with podcasting but they're rolling out a small design redesign what have they done james
0: oh they've um they've added a couple of buttons (laughs) In their podcast. I mean, literally, that's all all, the, all that they've done. Uh, some of the Google press have got very excited by this. They've added the word subscriptions which already is a bit of a flag because, you know, we're kind of moving away from that kind of language, Google. And they've made a few UX uh, improvements to the Google Podcasts app, but that's about as far as they've actually got. What they've also announced this week is that they would like you to have a valid link for your podcast, please. Otherwise, it will not be recommended in the future. If you have a podcast and you haven't filled in that box that says website link, then make sure that there's something in there because otherwise Google will not recommend your podcast. You'll still be in Google Podcasts. They just won't recommend you. So um, that's something that's coming
1: next month. Who do they recommend you to?
0: They recommend you to, uh, you know, so if you do uh, searches on Google, then you get recommended podcasts in there. If you do searches within the Google Podcasts app, then obviously there are recommendations in there too. So, you know, people who listen to Podland also like, you know, Buzzcast, uh, which is the official podcast for Buzzsprout, one of our sponsors is an excellent thing to have a listen to. Um, so that, that sort of thing would appear. Um, but uh, you won't appear if you don't have a website linked to your podcast in the future. They also, you know, ask for things like artwork and everything else, but all, all of the other requirements are requirements that Apple are already giving you. So therefore that bit doesn't matter. But the one big change is that they would like a link, whereas Apple don't really care that much if there isn't a link there. It's
1: good to see the one developer working on podcasting at Google still has a new feature set. Yes. Excellent. Well done, sir. Yes.
0: Um, I, mean, I mean, given that he's doing that, and rebuilding FeedBurner at the same time and also launching another messaging service because Google don't have enough of those. Uh, I think he's doing a fantastic
1: job. Or she could be either. Okay, (laughs) moving on. We thought we'd have a look at some new software that was being uh, pushed out. And the first one we'd looked at was Podmatch, a podcast book service. Uh, It's basically purchased Podit, a competitor. So tell me more about Podmatch buying it.
0: Yeah, so these are both websites that allow you to find guests for your podcast or, uh, uh, from the other side, find podcasts that will have you as a guest. What Podmatch has essentially done is bought its, its competitor, Podit. That now means that the combined company will have 20,000 members on there, which is great. Podit's website will go away at the end of August, so they're pulling things through. We don't know how much Podmatch paid for Podit. But I think it's um, it does show a bit of maturity, I think, to that sort of podcast guest booking service type app. Uh, so interesting to mm. see that.
1: Okay. Now, I caught up with uh, James Bishop, the CEO of One Fine Play. Now, One Fine Play has been producing successful podcasts that they've been marketing. And one of the things that James and his team have been doing is obviously going out and finding sponsors for those podcasts And what they've decided to do is take their learnings and the knowledge from producing or seeking sponsorship from large companies and make it available to the rest of us. So he's launched a new pitch deck discovery and matching platform. Uh, It's in beta still. And I asked James what it's all about.
3: So as a podcast production company, we have discovered over the last few years a whole number of Tricks and tips and learnings that we felt would be super valuable to the, we'll call them hobbyist podcast creator. You know, that person who started a show, got all kinds of enthusiasm, they've got a great idea, they've used the microphones. They've been through the whole production process and they've probably hit a plaque because they suddenly find it's taking lots of time. They're maybe not getting the traction they hoped for. They're looking for more listeners. They maybe need some money. And as a production company, you look at a business model for a podcast. How can we share this in a scalable, easy to use format for podcasters? And as such, we created One Fine Play. We have started by making a pitch deck for podcasters. So something that can be used to get sponsorship for a podcast, basically. Because (laughs) if you're trying to convince a sponsor to give you some cash, that's very similar to the way you might approach it if you were just thinking about it as a business. And so the two kind of go hand in hand. So what we've done is created something a bit like, if you're familiar with PodPage, something like PodPage, but for your podcast sponsorship deck. So you log in, you enter RSS feed, and it pulls lots of data from the podcast information it can find. And it part creates a deck for you and just leaves you to wrap the story into it.
1: And in terms of creating that, what sort of metrics are you then storing within that sponsorship plan?
3: We're pulling in things like your latest episodes, your social links, some of the freely available data points through RSS, such as average listen time or when you last uploaded, how frequently you upload, that kind of thing. You're then left with the option to add in information around what's the story, what have you got coming up next, who are your guests, which I know is something that you've pointed out to me we could and will in future Automate using uh, Podcast 2.0. So all the things that we think a brand wants to see when they're looking at whether they would sponsor a show. And we've basically taken a format that we've been using for the last few years to raise money direct from brand to get podcast sponsorship. So You've
1: you've taken your previous knowledge because you've had to raise sponsorship for your own podcasting. And you're really taking those learnings and bringing it down so that everyone can use those learnings.
3: Exactly. We get approached as a production company all the time by people who want ideas. And one of the things they want advice with growth. And one of the things they always say is, I don't really know what to put in a sponsorship deck. So we've taken the formula that we use when pitching to brands and we're just sharing that now.
1: So if I wanted to start, where would I go? Can I get on the beta program?
3: You absolutely can. It's open to all. It is definitely in beta, so I can't promise that it's, it's perfect. But you go to onefineplay.com and it's fairly self-explanatory. Currently, you can do two things. You can create yourself a sponsorship deck. And we're also working on a... Count, we call it a calculator. But essentially, it's a way of figuring out roughly what your podcast might be worth to a sponsor, which is another question I get asked or we get asked quite a lot. It's like, how much could this podcast command from a brand? Should I be asking for £300 or £3,000? £3, so what it does is it pulls in some RSS data about your podcast. It We ask you some questions about your motivations and your intentions. So how committed you are, that kind of thing. And then it takes some other market knowledge that we fed it. And we're building a little algorithm, a brain, which we call Cyril. Mm. And Cyril works out roughly how much we think you could command in the current market.
1: And how long is a piece of string? It's normally the answer to how much you should charge. So how have you come up with a formula that says, do this, go through an algorithm and there's your answer. That's what we think you should charge. Is that something you've got because you've worked on it for so long or is that some other secret source?
3: So, I'm not going to lie to you. We're not 100% sure how accurate it is right now. And as you have just alluded to, It is a case of how good are you at selling? What's your positioning like? How relevant you are? What space of the market are you in? And there's an obvious reason as to why it has never been done before. And when we approached the problem, it was tricky. It's taken lots of fiddling with. We've got the basis, we think, of an algorithm or a calculator that will give you some kind of reasonable, fairly generic at this point, into Bucket's answer. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing here is This is a product for people who are maybe not at the point where they can go to an ad exchange to monetize their podcast. The whole of One Fine Place narrative is, you know, what happens to all the people who aren't getting 50,000 plus downloads an episode, or they want a relationship with an advertiser that is greater than just host-read ads through an ad exchange. That's who this product is for. We don't make any judgment or we don't use at any point during the calculations your listener numbers because in our experience making podcasts as a production company the number of listeners you get isn't necessarily the main driver for brands now i know there's a little bit of controversy i put out some social media posts on this and i get quite a bit of heat totally true story we're just about to release a podcast for that's in its second season. In season one, it got 4,000 total listens. In season two, we closed £70,000 worth of sponsorship across 10 episodes from brands like Pepsi, P&G, Unilever, Ikea. These brands wanted to support this podcast. They went direct. They were cold approaches and the brands came back and they were paying £5,000 an episode to be involved. So I know it's possible. We have just secured £300,000. Pound sponsorship for a podcast that hasn't yet been made based on the story, based on what goes around it, based on the narrative. And so I know it's possible. And what we're trying to do here is to allow podcast creators who are audio first to have more opportunities to create, to grow, to turn it into a career, a profession. And so this little algorithm that we've built is just the first piece of a puzzle for us in changing the mindset about what might be possible and helping people to believe and have a confidence that these kind of figures are achievable.
1: So let's say you get to version 1.0. What is beyond that on the roadmap? Are you going to create a marketplace? Are you going to create a direct one-to-one relationship? Are you going to create some sort of mechanism where as a buyer, I can go to one fine play and say, I just want to go and target every podcast and they can buy it from you. Are you going to become an agency?
3: I guess is the question. We have a two pronged attack here, I think. So our initial intention was to become a toolbox of growth products. We want to democratize the knowledge that we've learned as a production company that has to commercialize podcasts to survive with podcast creators Give them a place to go that isn't, oh, I heard it on a Clubhouse stream or I heard it in a Facebook group as advice for growth, especially around monetization and marketing. Because those are the two things where you hear misconceptions all the time. And there are lots of companies out there helping with podcast growth. Sam, you know me well enough. I'm outspoken. I've never, ever had a conversation with a podcast creator who said, oh, James, you couldn't help me with my on-page SEO, could you? That's not a thing that podcast creators think. So there are lots of tools out there that I don't think are in demand. We want to create products like listener surveys. So there is a globally recognized podcast listener survey that happens from the US. It's great. We'd love to create a listener survey tool that means that anyone can come along, they can create some questions that they can then integrate into their podcast through host read description. And then those data points feed back in your analytics and potentially straight into your sponsorship pitch deck. So that kind of thing. So you can understand more about your listeners. We also want, we're thinking about whether there's an opportunity to do like personal training in the gym, but for podcasting. So a motivational type advice driven model, which isn't an online course. It isn't a producer, but it's somewhere in the middle. So we can make that affordable. That Those bits of knowledge that are always relevant available to people But as you also allude to, Sam, the thing that we're getting the feedback from our beta is a marketplace. That's what people want. How we go about doing that is another question because we don't want to let people down. Our our initial plan was to go creator first. How can we democratize that knowledge? How can we bring more tools and products that are actually useful to creators? Things that as a production company, making shows every day, we would find useful. If we find them useful, we know that there's all kinds of podcasters out there that might also find them useful. That's where we started.
1: Brilliant, James. Remind everyone again where they can go to sign up for the beta and have a little play and give you some feedback.
3: You can find us at onefineplay.com. Two-week free trial. Go for it.
1: Thanks, James.
3: Thanks, Sam.
0: James Bishop from One Fine Play. That all is uh, all pretty good. I I find it interesting all of these different apps coming up and basically uh, offering solutions to some of the problems that podcasting has. Now,
1: Moonbeam, this was an odd title you wrote this week, James. Moonbeam wants to be the TikTok for podcasts. I can't think of anything worse, but go on. Tell me that it's an app I must be using.
0: Well, I don't know if if it's an app that you must be using, but it's from Paul English. Now, Paul English is a man that has um, developed a number of very big websites in the past, including Kayak. I used to use Kayak back in the days when, you know, I was able to travel more than 10 miles. Kayak was a wonderful thing. And uh, Paul has also done all kinds of other things as well. Now, he's jumped into podcasting as well. So moonbeam.fm is a podcast player and a discovery app that has a TikTok-like interface. It's basically lots of clips of podcasts. So in the same way that we've had so many other apps which are all about clips and highlighting individual bits of podcasts, this is another one of those. The app has a feature called Beam, which serves listeners with curated clips from shows that are specific to their own interests all of that kind of uh, stuff it's you know it's interesting seeing more of these i have to say i think hark does a really good job of it because they are humanly curated clips rather than algorithmically done we had don mckinnon on podland a month or so ago i think hark is doing a good job here yet to try moonbeam but it does concern me sometimes when i hear that people might be grabbing bits of this podcast perhaps clipping it up and sticking it into their app without us really knowing anything about it so um yeah i don't know what your what your
1: thoughts are on those well it in- In just that 30 seconds of review from you, I I was thinking, actually, that's not a bad idea. Now, yes, you're right. It it should be stuff that we submit rather than stuff that is just randomly pulled. But actually, when I use TikTok on the occasional time that I've got while making a cup of tea, Mm. um, I do find that it is actually a time sink. I do find myself going through clip after clip and going, God, where did that hour go? And... I do think again going back to what we talked about earlier with discoverability if there are, we're all attention deficient we, we, we you know we're like meerkats 5 minutes into anything and something tells us you know a little bit of movement we go left we go right and I think if there is a way that you can go through I don't know 50 podcasts that you like in a s- typical genre and go oh yeah that sounds interesting never heard of that that w- that was good and then you discover it with just a, a small clip mm. that might work now I think Martin, again, from the earlier interview and I were talking about uh, one of the standards was, you know, adding uh, soundbites into the podcast index 2.0. And also we've seen with Buzzsprout, you know, they've been enhancing audiograms. Mm. If you could publish your audiogram and, and or publish your soundbite and officially Moonbeam would then find that and index it and then make it available within their app. That would be actually a cool way for people to say, "Yeah, I'm just I'm bored. I don't know what to do. I'm going to go to Moonbeam, flick it through like TikTok. Oh yeah, Podland. Wow, never heard of them." Yeah, that sounded cool. I'm going to listen to that podcast. That
0: would be really interesting. And of course, the other, the other side of that is that you can make a soundbite in anything, uh, as long as it's podcasting 2.0 you know, compatible or, or however you say it. So you can do that in anything rather than having to download a specific app to get those sorts of things out. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm all for something that doesn't um, move podcasting into one small walled garden. And uh, anything that we can do there, uh, I think, would be a, a, a bright plan. James,
1: what else has happened for you this week in Podland?
0: Well, I mean, you, you say listening to lots of different podcasts and small clips of lots of different podcasts. I have spent the afternoon being a judge for a podcast awards. I can't mention which one. Well, I probably shouldn't mention which one. But that that was a fascinating thing. Essentially, all of these podcasters had to edit together five minutes of their podcasts and submit them for a variety of different categories. And it was great fun having a listen. I've listened to uh, a lot of very crappy podcasts and some quite good podcasts that I was unaware of. And then there's always that sort of bit where you go, I listen to this podcast anyway. I wonder what they've clipped up and used as their as their award entry. So that was interesting. Um, so I enjoyed doing that. And talking about awards, the nominations have been announced for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. That's the one that Todd Cochran runs that uh, is announced on International Podcast Day on September the 30th. There is a finalist in the politics and news category of pod news. So I'm thrilled and excited. It's the first podcast awards that I've ever been um, a finalist for. So we will see if I actually win anything. Probably won't. But nevertheless, um, it'd be quite nice if I did. So thank you if you voted. And if you are one of the 10,500 people that gets to vote on the finalists, then uh, all I can say is you have excellent taste. And uh, thank you so much uh, for your obvious vote for Pod News. So thank you. Um, What's happened for you in Podland uh, over the last few weeks and indeed the next few weeks, Sam?
1: We are working on, I've been producing and editing a a podcast called The Old Spice Boys, which I'm really enjoying because I'm getting to meet loads of my heroes. This week I uh, was meeting David Platt, the former England Aston Villa and Man City footballer. And that was fascinating. He was talking about uh, his good friend uh, Mancini, uh, who won the Euros with Italy. And next week, you might remember him, James, actually, um, although I remember you've only seen Key Town play, so you might not. Um, Rodney Marsh. I thought he was dead, which will be the opening line of the podcast. I thought you were dead, Rodney. Good to see you. Um, Rodney Marsh was a footballer back in the 70s, and uh, we found him somewhere in Miami dragged him out so he'll be on the old spice boys next week well that's very exciting
0: and that's available uh, where you get this podcast just do a search for old spice boys podcast and that's it for this week come back to podland next time you can follow us in your podcast app or we're at www.podland.news on the web have you changed
1: that a record sam no but i will do today just so we can change this ending (laughs) Yes. And if you have any comments about my lack of a record changing or any other questions you'd like uh, about this show, then please tweet us at Podland News.
0: Or indeed, leave us a boostergram. It's time to boost. If you want daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter is free at podnews.net. The podcast is in your podcast
1: app, and that's where you'll find the links for all the stories we've mentioned this week and many more. Our music is from Ignite Jingle, so we're going to not be done by copyright and we're hosted and sponsored by buzzsprout and our friends at riverside.fm if you enjoyed this episode please tell your friends about podland and we'll see you in podland next week keep listening